0: Frenzy time. Middle of March means free agency has begun. There are now multiple layers, as you know, from the last couple of years to the free agency period. This is, I guess, the quote unquote legal tampering where teams can create the templates and put contracts in place, agree to terms, and then put pen to paper in a couple of days. And we're going to talk about a lot of different stuff with the Cincinnati Bengals, stuff going around the NFL, and we're going to take some questions as well. We'll be here for just a little while talking about all kinds of things. The Bengals had some good news come their way, some bad news come their way, some expected stuff, some not expected stuff, and we're going to talk about it. I'm Anthony Kazenza. He's John Sheeran, fresh uh, from his new post at A to Z Sports, uh, writing some, some stuff and getting the news out there, so go check out a to Z Sports, of course, also check out Cincy Jungle as well. John, happy Monday to you, man. We don't get to chat very often on a Monday, but uh, it's good to see your your fresh Monday face, my friend.
1: I don't know if it's fresh anymore. It feels like I've been <laughs> up for 18 hours at this point, but that that's how life goes, covering free agency in the NFL, as, as we both know. But yeah, it's been a busy day covering the Bengals. I know a lot of people think that there's not that much to cover when it comes to the Cincinnati Bengals, but... Plenty has happened. Plenty has happened around the league, and plenty is still more to come, I guess.
0: Plenty is still more to come, and look, I mean, I know I, this is this is hard for me to say because I used to be Mr. Panic Button day one. Bengals get frustrated. Where are the outside signings? How are you bettering your team? How are you better? Well, you know, I've kind of backed off that these past couple of years because the Bengals have really been right there, and of course, they've made splashy signings. The past few years so I haven't really had much to complain about so I'm playing a little bit more of a waiting game myself at this point in time although I haven't been overly I guess enamored with a lot of different things I saw and heard today but we knew that the activity was going to be high we knew that Bengals players were going to have interest not only because of their own visual talent but the team having a lot of success and that is what has come to fruition I don't know if we want to do we want to go Um, chronologically with with stuff we learned, John? Do we want to just kind of say just get to topics as they come to them? I'll let you decide, but we can talk about a lot of the different things with the Bengals right now as we know it.
1: Well, Let's just run through what's happened in chronological order. I guess going back to uh, them re-signing, I guess, Jalen Davis and Joe Bocci before free agency all began, both of them got minimal, essentially vet minimum salaries. I guess Davis got a two-year deal, but those guys... We were retained before free agency began, along with Uncle Mike Thomas, who's the veteran safety that's been here for the past couple of years. Special teams captain, Depth Peace, had the position. He signed a one-year deal, and again, veteran minimum for a 32, 33-year-old safety right before legal tampering began. And then, once legal tampering began, that's when a lot of stuff happened, started to happen around the league. And that's when we got our first signing for the Bengals as free agency opens, Anthony.
0: First signing. Um, so, I, I yeah, we can – first of all, I just want to show this. I, I know this doesn't have your name attached to it, but I pulled this up here, my friend. This is the article on Michael Thomas, and I will pin this for the live chat. I think I have this – at least I hope I have this correct here. Um,
1: this is yeah. nice.
0: Yes. Uh, Matthew Lennox, though, gets the credit. Not you, good sir. But here is the A to Z sports site talking about Michael J. Thomas uh, – Michael J. Fox comes to mind every time I see that name there, but um, Michael J. Thomas resigns, and if you remember too, John, he was a guy last year that, as as the team ended up, you know, losing in that AFC Championship round on the eggs interviews, he was talking about how special this locker room was, the culture was, and all of that. So you kind of felt like if there was going to be an interest there you know, from the Bengals that he was probably going to come back. There's not going to be a ton of interest from a special teams guy. I wouldn't think, I mean, obviously people value what he does and he's a great player for, for the role that he plays. Um, you know, he just, he was a guy that the Bengals just wanted to prioritize because they know him, they knew him, they loved him. Um, you know, he was probably if he was going to set to hit the free agent market, I don't know that he necessarily would have been a day one guy, I guess is my point. Um, but a guy that is helping, um, that is helpful to the Bengals and a guy that, um, you know, will uh, provide some some assistance to them in the special teams department.
1: Yeah, and the reason why they just did this before free agency happens because, like you said, Mike Tom Michael Thomas, excuse me, is not garnering any outside interest at the current state of his career. Uh, he knows the team very well; they know him very well. Like this was just, "Hey, c- come on back. We want you back. I'm not going to get anything else." On the open market, but again, not not an answer at safety at either position. Just a guy that provides depth in emergency situations, and most importantly, veteran leadership and special teams experience.
0: Yep. Okay. So the reason why they made that signing is because uh, yes, he doesn't play a, a lot of defense for them. He's a special teams guy, but they need depth at safety, John. And we kind of felt like we knew. Let's start with kind of the the predictable one. I guess. And that is of course that Jesse Bates leaves for the Atlanta Falcons on a big deal four-year, sixty-four $64 million deal. So he got the bag as they say with the Falcons and we kind of felt this one was coming because we, I think you and I talked about it a little bit on the show a a few weeks back where he was seen out with uh, various Falcons players hitting the town. I think it was Kyle Pitts and others that he was hanging out with. Um, and so he goes there and fortifies their defense, leaving a, a, a hole in the Bengals defense, but obviously one that we kind of felt was, was it was it he was going to be gone. We, we kind of knew this was going to be
1: the situation. I mean, this is just two years of, I don't know if you want to call it stress. Definitely content for us though, just off our shoulders. Like this is something that's been just, inevitable for the past at least 18 months. I don't know, specifically with this team, Like we talked about how Bates was having dinner with David Mulligata, his agent, along with several other Falcons players who were also represented by David Mulligata. So mm-hmm. there's been interest in here mm-hmm. for quite some time before, quote-unquote, legal tampering began, and that's just the base of how we got to this point. Four years, $64 million, I believe. Half of that is fully guaranteed two years of the deal. So at least that Average annual value and total guaranteed mark exceeds what the Bengals were probably ever offering in the first place. This puts at I think, as the fourth highest paid safety in the league, slightly under what Derwin James got last year, what Jamal Adams got a, a couple of years ago. I don't think the NFL wanted to continue inflating the market at this position, but this fits in line to where we expected Bates to land somewhere else in the NFL that was on, you know, one of the 31 other teams. <laughs>
0: This is, a, this is kind of what we thought. I mean, this is what he sought. He sought top five money at the position. He sought the big money we have seen over the last couple of years since he's been on this big kick to get a new contract extension. A lot of guys, Justin Simmons and others, getting, you know, Jamal Adams, you mentioned a couple of other names, big, big contract after big contract. So he kind of felt like this was, uh, you know, g- going to be something that he was going to get somewhere out there. And then as we saw that dinner or that get together, that he had a couple of weeks ago with uh, Falcons players and whatnot, obviously pointed to this eventual outcome. Here's the thing that, and we'll, we'll save kind of the, the good news for the end of the, the recap here. And then we'll talk about what may be ahead. We'll talk about some other players that are still potentially available. And then of course we want to take some questions from folks as well. So you can get those to us in a number of different live chats. You can text them to us. Um, or of course, uh, you know, YouTube super chat, all that kind of stuff. We will take those. Here you go, right here, though, John. And I'm gonna bring this this one up. Uh, Von Bell going to Carolina. This was one that we felt, you know, the Bengals weren't gonna maybe keep Jesse Bates. They weren't gonna keep Jermaine Pratt, but Bell was kind of the guy you felt like he was that they could get as long as they offered him something competitive and or in the ballpark of what he wanted. Um, you kind of felt like he was going to be the guy they were going to be able to retain through this whole thing. And so now, Bengals are without both of their starting safeties. I, you know, kind of catching up on news and getting the the show set, I did not see numbers on this quite yet. um I don't believe don't I don't know if those have been, yeah, I don't think they've been divulged because um, I was kind of keeping an eye out for it. So, But regardless, um, I don't know if the Bengals were trying to get him on a deal that was a little more shorter term, maybe not as lucrative. Um, Carolina, though, pounced and they they got a good player there, a guy who's been really critical to their defensive success, uh, that being the Bengals over the past couple of years.
1: Yeah, this comes down to, you know, was offered from the Bengals end, and it could be similar to the offer that another player. That the Bengals were targeting for agency ended up signing before Von Bell jettisoned or at least agreed to terms with Carolina. I think we agreed. We all kind of felt like it was slightly more than what he ended up signing for in 2020. So maybe the seven, eight, maybe nine million per year range was about right for Von Bell. He was 28, entering his third contract in the NFL, but still relatively young for someone who's already been through two contract cycles. We'll have to see what it is. Um, I, I don't imagine that the Bengals would have been. Out of the race if it was in that ballpark, um but it could also just be, the, you know, the Bengals had an offer set for two players, and it was like who, whichever takes this first, we're end up we're gonna end up signing again. That's just speculation on my end, but that's kind of how things have been in the past with, with this team in regards to keeping maybe one player in, instead of both for a similar amount of, of of money. So we'll have to see what the deal is again. This is all speculatory until we kind of know that, but it was pretty clear that Von Bell was the Bengals biggest in-house priority and no one really felt like he was going to end up out of the price range. So until we learn what that price was, we we can only guess.
0: Yeah. I'm seeing someone say four years, 54 million in the chats here. I'm, I'm looking online. I'm not seeing that personally. I mean, I'm doing a quick search. I'm not seeing that, uh, that number out there, but we'll, we'll definitely keep it posted. I just hadn't seen official numbers on that or, or, you know, somewhat official numbers obviously at this point we know those can be a little fluid at this point in time but so that is a little bit of the bad news with the Bengals. there now the good news um is that they were able to sign a guy that it seemed like he was not going to be attainable at this point if you were reading cryptic this is why you can't read too much into cryptic tweets and social media posts and all that all that kind of stuff um so the Bengals were able to keep Jermaine Pratt in Cincinnati on a deal, John, that was pretty, you know, I don't want, we, we got to see the full breakdown of the numbers, but a little bit more friendly, average annual value, $7 million a year, uh, three years, $21 million, I believe was the number there that was put out there, uh, a little bit more team friendly than I think a lot of people imagined or thought that he would be getting um out there and you know I, we'll pull up I'll, I'll pull this one up here and then I, I do want to he, he put out some quotes recently did did Pratt about re-signing with the Bengals but this one was a little bit of a, a surprise especially with when you saw what Roquan Smith got out there Tremaine Edmonds got a huge contract with the Bears um I, I forget the uh the linebacker TJ uh who signed right before Edwards uh, Pratt did TJ Edwards thank you um that was kind of a market setter in, in a way so this was this was kind of you know for the bummer that was von bell leaving for carolina and obviously jesse bates um leaving for atlanta this was kind of the ray of sunshine a little bit of the pleasant surprise type
1: i mean this kind of ended up being the reverse of what we expected which is yeah. not unusual from a Bengals for agency standpoint like I, I just think back all the way to 2020 right you had D.J. Reader signing the biggest free agent contract in team history immediately matched with Trey Wayne's signing a deal of similar magnitude, and you have Bengals fans kind of left in limbo of like equal amounts of happiness and confusion. And then 2021 comes around, they lose Carl Lawson to the Jets, and they immediately sign Trey Hendrickson right afterwards, and a lot of fans aren't necessarily on board with that immediately as well. And then last year you had you know Alex Kappa and Ted Karras signed immediately, but you had a huge hole at right tackle that they didn't fill. For like, for like a week. This kind of goes into that same trend, in my opinion, of just like, yeah, it's like hard for the course for them right now because while losing Von Bell is not great, especially because there was an expectation that he was going to be resigned, bringing back Jermaine Pratt, there was just a lot of already discussion about what life was going to be like without J- Jermaine Pratt. A Akeem Davis Gather or Marcus Bailey could step up or maybe they, they signed another linebacker like a David Long to replace him. And it kind of got... Lost in the fact that Jermaine Pratt is a pretty damn good player who's ascending, who's still twenty-seven yep. years old. He fits all these, you know, boxes. He checks all these boxes that the Bengals look for and give me a second contract. And he fits the defense really well. And Lou in of the defense coordinator is still here. So it, it's a it's a great deal for them. Three years, twenty-one million. I I can't give away the the contract details just yet. The cap it for this year is going only going to be about five million uh, for this season, which is a little bit lower compared to past Bengals extensions of, of similar magnitude. So this is a slightly uh, cheaper deal compared to Bengals standards, but also compared to what we expect Pratt to get, which is why this whole conversation started about him leaving in the first place. It's significantly less than what we expected him to get anywhere else on the market. Like I, I think it was unfortunate for him that TJ Edwards only signed for about six and a half million per year. Quincy Williams, the guy for the Jets signed for about 6 million per year. So the market Is in a weird spot right now for linebackers where you have Tremaine Edwards getting like 18 million per year, and you know, it's just all over the place right now. So Jermaine Pratt, I think, saw the fact that the market for him is really really saturated, not as lucrative as he expected. So he returned to the negotiating table. And hopefully, Anthony, this clears up potential confusion in the future about what his role is on third down. If there's if there's any of those problems that arise after this deal, that's a big issue because I don't know why Jermaine Pratt would take this deal if he has the same issues and concerns about his role in the defense. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear?
0: Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. There's that facet to it. The other on the positive side, you mentioned some of the names out there and their numbers being, um, you know, that being Tremaine Edmonds, Roquan Smith, the numbers that they're getting average annual value, et cetera, et cetera. Here's the thing with this that's kind of a beautiful thing because the Bengals undoubtedly want to re-sign and extend Logan Wilson coming up there is a distinct possibility with such disparity in some of these numbers and not these, you know, pass rushing edge outside linebacker types that the Bengals are looking to re-sign here with such disparity in average annual value with what Jermaine Pratt just signed and the the disparity of numbers that you're seeing from Roquan Smith, et cetera. There is a a distinct possibility that the Bengals will be able to re-sign Jermaine Pratt and Logan Wilson for an amount that is, at or less than some of the average annual values that a Tremaine Edmonds or a Roquan Smith are getting. And you're getting two quality players at that point to be able to, to you know, get that number there. So that's where this, you know, not only was this news welcome, but the contract numbers as we currently know them was welcome news because that gives the Bengals a little bit of flexibility. I want to get your thoughts on that, but I just want to say this as well. Um, you know, you can see here we're we're close. I want to win. And he talks about potentially taking, and this is from bangles.com, potentially taking some form of a pay cut or less money or whatever quote. We're one play away. So why wouldn't you want to stay? We're close. It was a fact. I want to win. I'm big on loyalty. They gave me an opportunity when I got in the league. So why would I try to leave for a team that wasn't as successful for more money? I didn't feel right about that. That's got to be music to bangles fans ears right there. Um, that he, you know, saying that he he could have had a different opportunity potentially for more money and whatnot, did not take it. He stayed in Cincinnati because the ability to win is here. So that is in itself big, big news and a big change for the Bengals there.
1: Well, again, it it goes, uh, and I guess this is the point of just not reading too much to things that we don't know the full context of, but it seemed like he was just on his way out because – he just felt like he needed to move on and find an, an opportunity elsewhere or maybe he can get utilized more. So to hear him say that, it could just be, you know, I'm coming back and this is the best deal that I can get. I'm going to make the most of it. Or it could just be an understanding of what his role is now, what it's going to be going forward. But obviously, like, I, I believe him in his sentiment that he likes being here. Like, I've never once doubted that, like his relationship with Luna Rumo, his relationship with the players, obviously his best friend in the whole world, BJ Hill. Is on the team who might now have to shave his head because he lost a bet yeah. himself on Twitter. So I, I, I understand all those things. It just seemed like the opportunity to develop into the full player that he wanted to be. It didn't seem like it was going to be here because the role that he wanted is probably the role that Logan Wilson has right now. But that is a good point, man. The the, the idea, the possibility that they could keep this linebacker tandem for the long term. It's definitely more likely now that Pratt is under contract with, with this type of deal. And I know people were in love with the tandem of Bates and Bell at safety. It was a dream that that could be still alive, but this tandem at linebacker is almost just as important with the, with the foundation and the structure of this defense. The fact that they asked both of Pratt and Wilson to do so many different things on a, just a weekly basis. Like it's, it's very valuable to have that continuity, even if linebacker in the most valuable position on the, on the defensive side of the ball, it's pretty critical with what Luna Rumo asks his linebackers to do and I think also yes there's concern about what's what the safety position is right now for the Bengals and I don't expect them to enter the draft with just Dax Hill and Tyson Anderson and Michael Thomas at the position like they're going to address it at some point in free agency but you also have some confidence that there's a position that needs to survive quick turnover a roster turnover in general and to get guys up to speed. you're pretty confident in Lunarumo just taking on new guys in the secondary and catching them up to speed compared to maybe other positions in the defense just because that's that's his forte right that's where he's had the most success in developing players and I think the Bengals kind of realized that and this is just how this has gone and they're going to have to go to contingency plans and safety because I don't think that for one second that they're going to enter the draft just Dax Hill at safety starting.
0: They will not, and we, we've we said this on uh, you know many episodes leading up to this one, um, and we've got a, a lot of live viewers. This is awesome across multiple platforms, so good to see everyone here. It's good to see the passion with free agency and the Bengals this year, and appreciate you stopping by. So we may have some new people that did not hear us talking about this on past episodes, but John... I mean, the, the thing is, is the Bengals do not like to go into the draft with major glaring needs. They like to feel that they've at least got placeholders, even if they're short-term starting options, that they can feel comfortable with going into the draft so that they can maybe draft someone who's more of a long-term project, a development guy, that sort of thing. But here's the other flip side of this that a lot of people that are t- – and we'll get to some questions here in just a, a few minutes. But here's the thing that I'm seeing. You know, I'm seeing a lot of people kind of – needing to be talked off the ledge here. And it's ironic that if you've known me and followed me on Twitter for any period of time during free agency, you probably would have been laughing at the fact that I'm trying to give this kind of advice. But uh, here's the thing though, when you are a good team, when you have developed good players, when you have already done some things in free agency in recent years to bring in productive guys, you have to make, you're going to have to make tough decisions. You're going to have to kind of, play a war of attrition where you're saying I'm going to keep this guy I'm going to we're going to keep this guy and work on extending x y and z in-house even though they're not a free agent yet and to do that we have to have some of these guys be expendable and that's the unfortunate reality the Cincinnati Bengals are are facing right now is that they've drafted pretty well in the Zach Taylor era, era and developed guys well they have big contracts on the horizon with people in house that are incredibly important players that that are currently under contract and are those are coming up soon and then of course you know they've also brought in other free agents that you know maybe their their contracts have already expired like Avon Bell that sort of thing and they've just been forced to say hey you know we've got other things we need to do and you know for the short term things are going to be a little bit m- more uncomfortable than we would like in terms of positional depth, who's going to start, et cetera. But I do not believe that the Bengals are going to go into the draft with, as you said, the, the safety position currently comprised as it is.
1: And, and I think you have to think back to why Von Bell found himself in Cincinnati in the first place. He was not a wave one free agency signing. He was actually the opposite. Nope. He was like wave six. He was on the market for way too long for someone who was 25 years old and a really good player in the NFL. The Bengals got him much lower than they expected to. They probably had him – you know, projected and rated much higher on the open market. So they didn't even think they had a chance at him, but he found himself available for, again, over a week's time in free agency. And they said to themselves, if no one's going to take this guy, we might as well take him for the cheap right, and just reap the benefits. And that's exactly what they did. The Bengals got Von Bell into the building because they stuck to their principles. And that's typically what they do in free agency. They don't overextend themselves and you know, create as much wiggle room in the negotiating room as possible. Now, I thought that they could do that with Von Bell. If, I thought that if there's any in house free agent that they had this year, that they would have maybe given a little bit more to Von Bell to make sure that he stayed. But maybe the Panthers just offered him a lot more than what the Bengals were willing to, or the Bengals just stood stood pat, right? And Von Bell was entering the, the third contract of his career. The Bengals have pretty much stayed away from those guys that are the failures of Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap on their third deals that's just who they are right now. And I feel like there's there should be a level of trust that they're going to continue doing that and they're going to continue finding value. And maybe right away, it doesn't look like an upgrade or it doesn't look like they sustained the level of, of ability at the position. But I, even if they had the cap space to bring back both Pratt and Bell, I don't think they were ever going to completely overextend themselves to bring back both. So the fact that they got one for a really good price and they're still in the market for... A pretty capable safety that can bring the same level of production as bell it could be a taylor Rapp. it could be any one of these guys like juan juan thornhill julian love who i think has experience playing under Luna rumo with the new york giants it Could be any one of these guys that brings that similar level of play to bell who's even younger and is probably going to make a little bit less this year
0: yeah so there are, a lot of people are asking about Gardner johnson the the safety out of philadelphia um there's some stuff going going on on Twitter where Bengals players, I think it was Zachary Carter and who else was chiming in there. Someone was talking about it Um, with, with him. And he, you know, are you going to come here? And there was kind of some, some back and forth that generated some buzz here. That's a guy whose name is out there, but um, how do you, do you see that being a fit personally? I think some of the other names you just mentioned, the Taylor raps and whatnot are probably more in the realm of possibility than Gardner Johnson. That's just where I sit. Especially when you look at again the positions and the numbers, the Bengals are willing to pay certain position groups. They just do not value safety as high as other positions, and so I don't know that they're going to go let two safeties walk because of money. I guess disagreements is is a good word for (laughs) it, and uh, and so you know go out there and pay you know a decent chunk of change there. But they who knows now that they don't have either of them, maybe they may be more inclined to do so.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, I don't think them losing both Bell and Bates is going to prompt them to go out and get the next highest-paid safety. And that that's where Chauncey Gardner johnson is interesting to me because he could just be this year's Von Bell where he's expecting a lucrative offer. And I believe the, the Eagles have an offer for him. So it's not the exact same situation, right? The, the Saints didn't want to bring back Von Bell. They already kind of moved on. I think the Eagles are still very much in the running for him. But it's been weird with him ever since he got into the league. He was a fourth-round pick when he was when a lot of people rated him as a first-round talent, and then he, he couldn't strike a deal with the Saints, so the Saints traded him to the Eagles. The Eagles gave up draft capital to have him, but just for one year, they didn't immediately extend him. He had that one incident where he like ripped a guy's mouthpiece out of his face, and then he got punched in the middle of an NFL field. There's always been this weird feistiness and aura that comes with Chauncey Gardner-Gon- Gardner-Johnson, and I don't know if that's going to end up having teams shy away from him, but all I know is that he's not signed right now and he should be deserved to be paid pretty handsomely. If he is paid handsomely, I don't expect the Bengals to do that. But if he finds himself out on the market for longer than he's expected to and his price just naturally decreases, I could see the Bengals entering the equation then. But until then, guys like Julian Love, Taylor Rapp, much more likely in my opinion.
0: Yeah, and I think our guy Malik Wright also uh pretty reliable Source guy for the Bengals in free agency and whatnot kind of said that he's not really, um, Garner Johnson, not really in the conversations in house for the Bengals at the moment, at least as of earlier on Monday. So we'll see what happens there. But, uh, uh, another guy that the Bengals, um, were reportedly interested in, interested in Obo Okoronkwo, uh, if I'm saying his name, uh, double he signed, yeah. He signed a uh, three-year, $19 million deal reportedly. Um, he's an edge player with the Browns of all people. And then Patrick Peterson made some waves talking to Adam Schefter on his podcast uh, saying, he, you know, is there a team that comes to the top of his mind that he would like to sign with? He mentions the Bengals and what the hell does he do? He goes and he signs with the Steelers. Um, so, so go go figure that one out. Um, you know, a couple of other, a uh, couple of other guys out here. Chase Winovich, the edge player, he's expected to sign with the Texans. Robert Woods also signed there. Um, uh, big, big news, and I don't. I mean, this is just crazy for the Chiefs. They signed Juwan Taylor, a guy we profiled on the show a couple of weeks ago, to a big, big contract. I think upwards of eighty million uh, to be their right tackle. They have yet to agree. I think as of this point. With Orlando Brown, there was talks about maybe them getting involved in a Laramie Tunsil trade as well. So the Chiefs are really trying to do absolutely everything to load up that offensive line, figure things out up there. Juwan Taylor, of course, a really good pass protector, not so solid in the run game, but that doesn't seem to matter very much in Kansas City when you have Patrick Mahomes in the offense that they run. So they want the pass protector there. They get him. Um, big, big deal there. So he's off the market. Mike McGlinchy signs with the Denver Broncos for those people kind of clamoring for him as a right tackle option. Um, and so there, there's been some some notable moves around the league and guys that Bengals players or Bengals fans have kind of been keeping an eye on have slowly gone to differing places.
1: I I don't understand the Juwan Taylor contract at all. Like, I I, I, I get it that these guys end up making a lot more than what they're projected to. And that's just the, like we talked about Joe and the other for like 16, 17 at most per year. And he gets 20 from the chiefs. And I understand like the chiefs are aggressive. You know, they made Joe Tooney at the time, like one of the highest paid guards, maybe the highest paid guard. And I, I, I get it. Like, you know, he, he's a fine replacement for the chiefs tackles to move him to left tackle though. Like he played like a, a couple hundred snaps at left tackle at Florida, but he was a right tackle. Then he's been a right tackle for four years for Jacksonville, To move him to left tackle is just very bizarre to me. And I I get it. You'll have Chiefs fanning. Well, I mean, they moved Orlando Brown from right to left tackle. Orlando Brown at least played left tackle in Oklahoma. I think this is a huge risk for moving a guy who's been really a career right tackle to the other side of the line. It's the exact opposite of what we've been preaching with Jonah Williams, right? It's probably not in his best interest to move positions to move on the complete opposite side of the formation to completely mess up his technique. I guess the chiefs are confident that Juwan Taylor can do that, but man, I would not commit 60 million to that experiment though. So they, he, they're, they're,
0: they're, <laughs> they're committing to him playing left tackle for him. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I didn't, I didn't catch that part. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, Cause I had heard they were, um, you know, fig- trying to still figure out things with Orlando Brown Maybe getting in on a Laramie Tunsil trade uh, to to do the left side of that line. So yeah, then that would you know that obviously makes a big risk there. Um, but I mean they've they've shored up that offensive line in the last couple of years, and um, you know now the Bengals are there's some things they need to figure out. They need to figure out interior defensive line. They need to figure out obviously safety now. Um, and they need to ink some of these extensions that they are looking to, to get into. So we're going to take a couple more questions here. Um, we've got a lot of live listeners. This is awesome. Appreciate all the support. The live listeners, if you're new here, this is the Orange and or Black Insider, part of the Cincy Jungle Podcast Network. He's John Sheeran. I'm Anthony Kazenza, And we are able to be, you can subscribe to this show on our YouTube channel right underneath that. Cincy Jungle SB Nation icon there. There's a show icon. Click that, click subscribe, click the bell to be notified when we go live. When new content is available, you can also get it on your favorite audio streamer, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, along with other great Bengals podcasts that we have on our channel. Leave us a review there if you can. And then, of course, you can give a thumbs up to the Cincy Jungle Facebook page for the live streams there so we can. Um, uh you you know you can find all the stuff there so appreciate it it's good to see a lot of new faces a lot of new names and uh, hopefully you stick around hopefully you subscribe we appreciate it okay so let's let's talk i saw a super chat up here i think it was from mr generosity aka mr whisper i'll have to find that one there um do you see any any we should start uh cranking through here john while i while i find this other one we've got a lot of comments to sort through Wow.
1: Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. There was a rumor uh, regarding the running back position. I love you, Jacob. Burr, burr. Emoji is asking, do you think the Bengals will cut Joe Mixon and get Jamal Williams? Um. Oh, yeah. that's
0: a Yeah, that's a good one.
1: I, I'm not counting out Jamal Williams as a Bengals target because that just makes a lot of sense. Again, second contract or I guess technically third contract, but it was just on a one year deal or a two year deal with the Lions uh, in the past couple of years or whatever. But still, pretty young, I think, as a runner. Like, fits what the Bengals probably want between the tackles and a lot less tread on the tire or more tread. Is it more tread or less tread when you're talking about someone who's young?
0: I guess you would say there is more tread on the tire. Technically, there's more more tread on the tire. That 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 would give you more traction, you you know, less wear and tear on the tire. I've
1: been shooting from the hip with that (laughs) phrase, like, not knowing if I'm saying it right. We've been
0: saying it wrong for years. Yeah.
1: Williams is fresher, I would say, than Mixon. Go, he's, go, a better, he's a better he's a better pass go. protector. <laughs> he's not as explosive as a runner, maybe, but I think it's just a reliable between the tackles guy that unfortunately Joe Mixon hasn't been, it makes sense. Um I don't foresee Mixon getting cut until they feel like they need to do so. We've seen that in the past with like Geno Atkins, he was a sure for cap casualty in twenty twenty one, but he didn't get released until the Bengals needed that cap space, I think, to sign like Riley Reeve or whatever. So I don't I don't think Mixon is gone until it it's deemed necessary for him to be gone.
0: Mr. Whisper says, okay, well, does the loss of both starting safeties make safety the number one priority in this draft, possibly corner, maybe swing guy, something like that. I I mean, again, we, we talked about, I just, the Bengals don't like to go into the draft with like glaring, glaring needs. So I think in a couple of days here, we may be singing a completely different tune about that position group. Uh, in terms of who they bring in, who they don't bring in. And, you know, again, what a lot of people aren't realizing just because, again, with the frenzy that we're dealing with, there are still post, you know, there are guys that get signed post-draft because teams don't get guys that they deem that they wanted in the the class and or, John, post-June 1 cuts because guys stack their rosters either through free agency and or the draft, and they have to shed off some old deals that they have on the contracts for guys that could be valuable short-term play uh you know valuable players on short-term contracts
1: yeah i, I just i don't foresee the bengals entering the draft without signing the safety which would take i think safety off the off the table or an early draft pick for me
0: yeah i i mean look I, I know a lot of people are uneasy about dax hill playing safety uh he was a first round pick for a reason he's he going a start. highly touted player for he's gonna be i mean at some point he's a first round pick you got to see if the guy can play right? Yeah. Um. He flashed it at a couple points last year and you know, it was late in the year. So hopefully, you know, he can transition and use that athleticism. If you remember Jesse Bates had to start as a rookie because Mm -hmm. of the state of the Bengals roster and everybody was fine with that. But now because you have, you had Bates, you had bell, nobody's really fine with Dax Hill because, Oh, he hasn't played very many snaps. Well, he's a first round pick. You got to see what you get got out of him, especially when you lose these two guys. So um, I mean, as of right now, you would assume it's going to be Hill and someone else that they bring in at the safety positions there. Um, and I just don't see, especially with how they have not valued the safety position overall, I just do not see how, you know, that's a first-round pick again in the second for the second year in a row. I do see corner potentially maybe if one of those, you know, interior defensive linemen come in there. By the way, Javon Hargrave got paid, paid today as an interior – defensive tackle with, um, with pass rushing ability. So uh, at any rate, those are kind of where I see here. You see, uh, we've got a couple of other uh, super chats. Thank you so much. Um, oh boy. Okay. David. Um, and I believe David was the gentleman who was giving out the information, uh, some numbers on the Von Bell contract. So we'll, we'll work on confirming that there, but what do the Bengals have to do to get Laramie Tunsil? Can they add, uh jonah jonah williams on a trade for him um i mean i would assume that would maybe be part of the compensation at that point but i mean this is a gigantic it, it talking about Tunsil, a gigantic salary cap albatross that you are taking on what was it about 30 million cap hit i, I want to say um so that is a gigantic. and he's he's a hell of a player there's no doubt about it But that is a gigantic thing to take on when you're looking at doing a mega deal for your franchise quarterback, when you're looking at doing a a sizable deal for one, if not both of your wide receivers coming up here, you would need to not only take him on, but then I would assume, you know, restructure and extend and and spread that cap hit out. I just do not see that as as a viable situation for the Bengals.
1: I'm really sorry you paid $20 to ask this question, but no. Like it's just not, it's, it's 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 not happening. Like the Bengals would have to extend him. He'd be, I guess, 30 years old next year. He'd want something that's even more lucrative than it is now than what he's being paid now, and that's completely out of where the Bengals feel comfortable paying for an offensive lineman. I don't care what happened last year. Like there's a reason why they've never gone after a guy like Laramie Tunsil. If he ha- was on an affordable deal and he was just trying to, you know, fight his way out of his current situation, then yeah. But he's not an affordable deal. The next deal that he gets is not going to be affordable for the Bengals. I, I no, this is this is not happening.
0: Did you mention? Um, you know, going back a second to the safety, did you mention Epps as a guy? Marcus Epps as a guy that was an option because it looks like I did he not- just got. Yeah. Okay, yeah, it looks like he's potentially joining the Raiders. If you if you had uh, mentioned him, that was kind of some recent news here. Uh, but thank you. Yeah, I mean, again, I think the bagels are going to stick with Jonah Williams, uh, provided he's healthy, the procedure he had. Um, and, and our buddy, our buddy will who listens to the show kind of relayed this info to us while we were talking about it last week. But um, you know, there's a, a procedure done on the knee that he had the dislocated kneecap, I think the second, the, the later dislocated kneecap, um, to hopefully keep it more secured in place so that that's not going to be hopefully a lingering issue, but they're going to at least let this year ride out. With Jonah Williams, I would think at left tackle, and then you know, kind of figure things out. Probably get another tackle or two in the draft here. There are I, I want to pull up the list of some available guys, but like I said, Taylor's off the market, McGlinchy's off the market. Um, the the kid from the Raiders, uh, a, a luminor or uh, I, I don't yeah. know how to uh, uh, say his last name. He, he's an intriguing guy. I don't think he's been scooped up yet. Um, And then, of course, um, I I don't think there's been movement on Orlando Brown, who wants a mega deal either at this point. So the Bengals need some long term help. Uh, Again, if they're not going to spend or be willing to take on a $30 million cap hit of a Laramie Tunsil, some of these other guys may not make sense either in a lot of different respects. So We will, uh, we'll see, but we've got other, thank you, David, for the super chat there. And the question, uh, Joe here submitted one. Uh, Which positions do you expect them to look for in free agent this week or next? I agree. They don't like gaps going into the draft. What do they need to sign to stick to that plan? I think it would be safety now is becoming a pretty pressing need. I do think they will sign one free agent, Tight end, but I think they're going to probably go into the draft pretty heavily at that position as well because they've met with like six people that we know of um, at, during the combine that were tight ends, so they'll probably go pretty heavy there. They did not tender Mitchell Wilcox, which is a bit of a surprise. Um, we don't know the future with Hayden Hurst here either, so I think a, a free agent's probably going to be added there. They may double dip in the draft um, at at free agent, uh, excuse me, uh, at tight end as well. Um, So I think tight ends probably on the on the list there. Uh, And then, you know, if there's an interior defensive line that lineman that makes sense, John, I think those are probably where the next steps are.
1: Yeah. Safety, offensive tackle, potentially tight end running back. I just realized because he said in the chat, uh, David Rasul goes to my gym. We've chatted it. We've chopped it up multiple times. So shout out, David. I'm sorry. Sorry for answering that question like that. I'm sorry, my man. But thank you for the donation. Thank you for the question, man. I don't go to the gym at like noon anymore, unfortunately, because my job. But if you ever go at night, hit me up.
0: Okay, so you know him from you know him from the gym, you know him from I the do. gym. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. I like it. Um, I, again, I, I do think, and I'm not, I I'm not the most patient person in general, and I'm not haven't been the most patient person overall with the Bengals and their free agency approach over the years. But I do think that this is. A, a, a a year where we need to be a little bit more patient the most we we thought they were going to be more inwardly focused this year um and you know i i I do think some of these moves though avon bell leaving and whatnot when maybe you didn't expect that it does press their hand a little bit more but safety tight end and then i would think um you know maybe offensive tackle there i i think that's going to be a little bit of a waiting game to see how that all plays out for them um and or the draft and then i i do think um Safety tight end and interior defensive line have to be at the top priorities there for the Bengals right now. Uh, Mr. Whisper, again, did we already... Uh, we we kind of talked about this here, not counting safeties. What's your guess on who the Bengals could be looking at right now um, af- after the events of day one? Um, specific names, John. Uh, let's try and get a little more specific in terms to play off of the last question and into Mr. Whisper's if we can.
1: I don't know, man. I feel like offensive tackle is always going to be the spot where they were going to be the least comfortable with before the events of free agency. Now, obviously safety kind of changes that dynamic, but I feel like the situation at tackle is still what it is because they haven't addressed it. They were never going to be in the discussions of what McGlin, and Juwan Taylor, got. they're not going to be involved in the Orlando Brown sweepstakes. Illuminor. I I don't know what he's going to get. I think it's going to be more than what like PFF predicted him. like, he's going to get more than just 3 million per year, especially with, you know what these <laughs> what these contracts with, at offensive tackle are going right now. I've always said that Cam Fleming, though, is a likely target just based off of the fact that he played under Frank Pollock before when he was with Dallas. He has experience of both tackle spots. He's probably okay with being just the week one or through week eight starter until L. Collins comes back. I think uh, George Fant and Calvin Beecham kind of fit that mold, too. I think both of those guys also played under Pollock when they were with the New York Jets, or I might be wrong with Beecham in that in that case but those guys in that tier are always I've always been the targets for me in, in terms of what I've expected but I still think offensive tackle is going to be something that they look at uh
0: I this list I'm looking at I don't know it's if it's been fully updated but uh I don't know that there's been movement on Isaiah Wynn right now right um I, I don't i have to look uh no Caleb McGarry, uh, was not franchise tendered, uh, for Atlanta and they just spent big money at safety. So he's a guy that might be on, uh, wins only 26, uh, McGarry's 28. Um, and I mean, and then you can say, well, you know, if you're talking about someone who's a placeholder because they are committed, it depends on their mindset, right? If you're looking at someone who is committed, if they're committed to lay out Collins and are looking just for a placeholder to, you know, play the first part of the season, maybe as he's on pup or what have you, you know, you could look at a Taylor Luan. you could look at a Donovan Smith, um, uh, you know, guys who have been kind of shed right before free agency there as possible, just kind of placeholder guys. Um, I don't know that they, you know, a guy like Taylor Luwan. I don't know that he would, he would, you know, go for that necessarily, even though he's had, a lot of time missed in his career, especially recently. So, I mean, there are names out here. Uh, Illuminor is a guy who's probably the most intriguing, I think, as a guy that you would say, okay, possible upgrade from what the Bengals had last year, maybe somewhat affordable and, um, you know, uh, still out there. He is 28 years old though, as well. Hey, did you know Cedric Abuehi's available, John? Cedric Abuehi's out there and available if you wanted to go there.
1: I'm going to pretend you didn't say that.
0: <laughs> uh, I mean, there's there's really a lot of guys who have been sort of, you know, backup type of players right, in, right now. Um, again, Orlando Brown kind of top in the list at tackle um, that, that's available right now. But uh, that's those are some of the names right now that the Bengals may or may not be looking at. Uh, we had another super chat that I'm trying to find here. Um,
1: some Joe. He's asking, okay. which positions do you expect them to look for at free agency this week or next week? I mean, we've more or less kind of covered that. I think we did that, that one. Yeah. yeah.
0: I think um, we did that one. David, we got to his. Okay. Um, so the Super Chats definitely take precedence. If you want to get your questions read, try and sneak that in here. We'll try and get to a couple of others. Um,
1: Mark, Mark's been pretty active. He's asking about John John, who was cut. Or is going to be cut by the Cleveland Browns, I believe, when the new new league year starts. So that's not official yet. They can't um, do anything with that, but it would, it would make some sense. Like I believe he played under, or he didn't play under Zach Taylor. He was with the Rams when Zach Taylor was there, but he was coaching the other side of the ball. Uh, obviously, experience with the AFC North um, might be a little like, again. Like I, I'm, whenever there's a guy who's in his late 20s and is entering his third or fourth contract, I, I typically don't like circle them or highlight them just because again like there's no reason to expect that at this point unless it's for like a one-year deal right unless it's like a a riley reef type situation i i don't i don't foresee that at safety though i don't think they're gonna try to get a guy on a one-year at that position so i'm not sure if john johnson or a guy like that would be in their plans and also like adam thielen who i believe someone else mentioned i know probably not
0: no um so you look here i mean I, i've seen a, you know a lot of questions on safeties Jordan Poyers, uh, I, I think he's still available out there, 31 years old. You've got Jimmy Ward, 31 years old. Um, Adrian Amos is a guy, um, kind of interesting player out there. Uh, Clayton Fedulum's a free agent. Um, and, and you know, uh, someone had... Texted me saying the Bengals were connected to Terrell Edmonds. I did, I did research on that. I I couldn't find too much on that. Of course, the safety out of Pittsburgh, former first round pick. He's kind of had an up and down career to say the least. Uh, Definitely didn't start great. I think he's kind of played a little bit better of late. So that may be a name to look out uh, for as well at 26 years old. Um, You know, I mean, there's others out there as well, but it's kind of, you know, at this point, it's kind of guys who were big names that are older. Uh, There's, there's, an issue that they weren't immediately, immediately signed, right? I mean, there's one issue or another that teams perceive that um, allow them to keep being available at this point in time.
1: Pretty much, man. I mean, free agency has kind of evolved in my mind over recent years because the Bengals kind of did this last year where they immediately targeted not guys that you would expected right off the bat. Like, they identified, I guess, in, in a lot of people's minds, mid-tier, wave two, wave three guys immediately got them at good price points and succeeded in free agency in that way. And that's what I think a lot of other teams have started doing now. Like you will have guys who expected to be signed immediately because you, you tend to think like, okay, the first guys who sign are going to be the, the ones who sign the biggest deals that have the most interest. And that's not always how it works now. And I think that's why I expected the Bengals before Wednesday comes around to sign one guy from, you know, external free agency. And that could still happen, but like that's just kind of how it's evolved at this point, like teams are kind of standing up for certain positions and not trying to inflate certain markets or whatnot. And it's led to you know guys who not the most highly coveted names you know signing before guys who end up signing the biggest deals and that's just that's how free agency has kind of evolved in recent years, and the Bengals have been part of that
0: doing one last scour here for some recent uh recent news on the Bengals looks like it's going a little quieter here as we go later into the evening, getting close to 8 PM Eastern here. And we're going to start closing up here. Um, there was an interesting comment made here by Brandon. Uh, it says Bengals cut uh, cut Le'Veon Collins. Bengals can get him. I, I think what he meant to say was, was that the Cowboys cut Le'Veon Collins. I think that was shortly before or during free agency last year, if I remember correctly. The Bengals got him a few days into free agency. Yeah, and that's an interesting point because now these teams, uh, I, I mentioned, you know, post draft pickups and post June first cuts and that sort of thing. There are guys that are going to start hitting the the market now. That could be valuable players that are not currently available or currently being sought out because these teams are now agreeing to new players coming in, new contracts coming in. And so now you could have a, an additional smaller, you know, not a huge influx, but there could be a small influx of some desirable players that were not currently set to be free agents that become them because of contracts that are being agreed to as of today. So that's an interesting point, and an interesting path. For people to keep in mind too, as it comes with the Bengals, because they like to they like to go down that path, um, uh, you know, and, and get some of these players who have been on the discard pile.
1: Yeah, um, before before we end up logging off here, Jermaine Pratt's contract details have been revealed per OverTheCap.com, and it's it's aligned with some of the information that I got earlier today. I know a lot of people only care about the cap hits, so I will read that now. His salary cap charge for this upcoming season is five point four million. And that increases to 6.9 million in 2024, and then 7.9 million in 2025. So it's again a three-year, a little over 20 million dollars in full uh, total value. But the signing bonus of 7 million dollars is the only guaranteed money in this contract. And I believe as, I've
0: got it here. Let me see if I yeah. can pull it up for you.
1: And as I mentioned, the cap hits are they start relatively small and they increasingly go. Uh, increase as the life of the deal increases. So again, much smaller in value compared to what I think a lot of people expected Jermaine Jermaine Pratt to get. But in terms of just this year, Bengals had like thirty five ish million in cap space entering today, and now they're down to about thirty after Jermaine Pratt uh, signed. This this looks.
0: Uh... Akin to what you're saying here, right? Yeah, 23, 24, 25, yep. um, your cap number there. Yeah. So there it is right there. And again, you look at the the number there 20 million, 220 uh, is, and some change is the cap number for that three year deal. Again, pretty manageable for the Bengals. Yep. And now, John, that's, you know, we talked about who the Bengals could potentially be looking at or what they may be doing here in the next couple of, of days. Um, again, if they did have Von Bell in a specific contract in their in their heads, maybe they had this one also in their heads. Um, you know, there is an opportunity now with a little bit of money, I guess, "quote unquote" freed up by not having a Von Bell in the fold that you may have expected. So they may be able to use that money elsewhere for another safety, for a tackle, for an interior, um, you know, interior defensive lineman, tight end, or some combination of that.
1: Yeah, if you want to go by traditional Bengals rules, whatever cap space they have right now, just subtract 10 million from it. That's probably what they have to do with for the rest of the free agency, right? So, 20-15 to 20 million in terms of just space right now, and that doesn't include whatever savings they can get from releasing Joe Mixon. Still ample room for them to make a handful of moves here. And again, like that that deal compared to who Pratt is compared to what his impact is, obviously compared to his popularity with the fan base. I I think it's, it's a great value signing and it definitely makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Favorable for sure. All right. Well, thank you everybody for your questions. Thank you for tuning in. We've had a lot of live viewers. This has been awesome through a a number of different platforms. We'll keep coming with more updates. John and I will be back uh, with uh, another show Wednesday night, kind of recapping some things and whatnot, but we're going to keep, Hammering you with content, talking free agency, the Bengals, and whatnot. Again, if you can, subscribe to our YouTube channel right underneath John there. Uh, We appreciate the support. And of course, subscribe to the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel on your favorite audio streamer. Keep it to cincyjungle.com and go check out John's work over at A to Z Sports as well to get the latest Bengals news, breakdowns, opinions, podcasts, all of it. Appreciate it. Thank you. Guys, John, thank you. It's been a busy day, but uh, appreciate you making time for the show and breaking things down with your knowledge as always, my friend.
1: I think I need a much-needed shower, man.
0: <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say maybe a beer too, but I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna that hold works. off on that till later in the week. Yeah, yeah, I think that's gonna be later in the week. Take care, everybody. We'll see you soon.